if you're offended by foul language, this episode may not be suitable for you or to be broadcast at work or in a public space. Please consider headphones or lowering your volume. The Out of Time Podcast is brought to you by brothers whose relationship was forged together by watches. Each episode will be a conversation with people we find fascinating from all walks of life. Welcome to the episode. Well, we're about to start. Shall we cheers first, gents? Cheers. 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 So which one of us is going to introduce our guests? Well, uh, I guess we, could, we can all introduce him. He's all of our friend, or at least we think so. <laughs> but he was, um, or at least he wow. thinks so. <laughs> um, you know what? It's easy to break up into three sections. I can go Rico. Okay. Say it. What? Rico what? Suave? Yeah. You kind of screwed it up because it's supposed to be Rico. Oh, Rico. Yeah. That, that is true. No, that let's go true. back. Okay. Let's start over. Let's start over. All right. What's up, brother? What's up, guys? How are you? Welcome back to California. Thank you so much. My, my, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say my hometown. This is not my hometown. It's <laughs> my home state. Home state. There you go. <laughs> so this is my adopted home county, but yeah, not my uh, hometown. You, you look pretty sober. I've only had three cocktails okay. today, so this yeah. kind of sucks. Yeah. So we, we'll work on bringing another one out. So we can get her to bring him out. Yes. So what's up, guys? Chilling, man. What's going on with uh, you, brother? You know, having a good time. Before we begin, right? I bought you guys a gift because I know you lazy fucks oh my God. are too fucking lazy to go get the shit I tell you to go get. Right. Okay. And I've talked to you guys repeatedly. Go get this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go get it. Yeah. We're going to go get it. Yeah, yeah. You've never once mentioned you got it. <laughs> so I picked it up for you to it's save you a trip to Trader Joe's. Wait, you got a okay. the oh, pocket... Yeah. You each get a cognac. Oh, oh wow. That's what I'm talking about. Dude. Wow. One for you. Dude. One for you. Chatelier. Look at one this. One for you. Wow. One for everybody. Well, thank you. He's the guest, and he's the one giving us gifts. Well, this See? should at least get us through the evening. Okay. That so. should get us through the evening. <laughs> That's right. It's only three bottles. Wait, wait. We, we got that knocked out. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Chase, go wow. ahead with the pronunciation again. Yeah. Claude Chatelier. That's exactly Claude. correct. Chatillier. <laughs> Actually, Josh, you were the correct one on this. <laughs> well, thank you, dude. Yeah, of course, man. Even has a signature. That makes it legit, right? This, I freaking love. This is the signature series? Yeah, This. so the, the thing with this cognac, I'm addicted to it because Trader Joe's, it's under the Trader Joe's house brand. It doesn't say Trader Joe's on there, but it's made for them. But they make the exact same cognac under their, a, a different house label for 75 bucks. And this is under like $25. It's oh, bizarre. Man, like, why would you go pay three times the price yeah. for the exact same product? Yeah. And I love this product. And it's just super smooth, tinge of orange, little sweetness to it. I can drink a bottle by myself at night. I mean, it just goes down very good. You sound good. like Kaufman from last night. Well, you know, <laughs> Kaufman knows how to pound him down. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait. What the that hell? might not have sounded right. I, uh, yeah. I think we're going to have to put the uh, parental advisory on this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is going to be steamy. <laughs> you know, Chase and I just recently went on our yearly getaway to Napa. Okay. Right. And, you know, we knew we had the same shoe size going into this trip. Okay. But Are you guys both size six? Because <laughs> that makes a 12. <laughs> They're at the A couple of 12s. Yeah. A couple of 12s. So, so the funny thing is, you know, we were out naked stomping grapes in the middle of a vineyard and I we heard, realized I we heard. both like stomping grapes. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> that harks back to another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we had a lot of fun. That was, that was a that lot was of fun. A, we had a lot of fun. And when you start talking with the winemaker about Fibonacci series, you know oh, that, yeah. that it's going to be a very good visit. It, it wasn't just about wine. It, it was about it, it art. It was about watches. Uh-huh. It was about history. Uh-huh. Was, I mean, we... The poor winemaker. We weren't going to leave him alone. I mean, he became. We adopted him, didn't we? I mean, he was like our best yeah, friend. After absolutely. That. Yeah. Now he he was. Uh, and just we'll give a shout out, as they say, to Mira. That they were really uh, very impressive. And, very. And what I said to you, Rico, off the air was, you know, I feel like this approach, this this true artisanal approach to making wine, is what built Napa before it just became a a marketing label. You are at one hundred percent correct. These are it, and it's the other part was that this is made. It may be the last new winery being established in Napa, but by being the last, they've come back to the beginning to the to the true essence of what Napa is. That's absolutely true. And and people that don't know when we say the last, it's because they're the last ones to get permits to have a winery built within that region. Well, it's, right. They're no longer issuing permits for new wineries. Unlikely. Unlikely. Yeah. Wow. That's that yeah. Um, so that was that was actually a lot of fun. I yeah. actually want to talk about your beginning on Instagram, Beth. But since we're talking yeah. about your your vacation with Chase, I think that's called a vacation. A bake. <laughs> a vacation. <laughs> a vacation. Like yes. Is, like is it true too. that you guys were driving around on a Toyota, a '99 Toyota Yaris? <laughs> no, that can't. Be true. That can't be true. A couple of distinguished gentlemen like like these yeah. rolling around a Toyota Yaris. <laughs> on the streets of San Francisco. You guys were on yeah. a Toyota Yaris. So so the funny thing about this car, it's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic vehicle. Toyota. In fact, in fact, I think I saw one for sale at Concourse de Elegance. Oh, you started looking? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember thinking, wow, if I could ever drive this dream car. <laughs> but, uh... But Chase has uh, an acquaintance who owns this vehicle. A Yaris. A, a Yaris. Chase is associated wait, wait, wait. to a Yaris. What, 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 Did year I get that? what year was that from? I think it's from the early 2000s. Early 2000s. I'm not, or mid 2000s. Yeah, I'm actually okay. not sure because I, I'm, I'm woefully unprepared and unread in my Yaris history. <laughs> well, the funny thing about the car, the, the person that owns it travels... All the time. All the time. Okay. okay. So this car literally has been on the fucking streets of San Francisco for 10 years without a bath. At least. So you can barely see out the windshield or the side oh, window. So he has no, solar that, shield. That's a... Uh, no, yeah. that's saving water. Right? Yeah, <laughs> solar <laughs> shield. Yeah, solar shield. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so encapsulating the paint. The paint, yeah. Oh, my God. It's, as soon as you rinse that off, it's going to be pristine. In fact, we didn't even know there was blue paint. <laughs> we didn't even know there was blue paint until Chase tried to back it into a parking spot going downhill uh-huh. and we grabbed the side of... Uh, never mind. But oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my God! The car's blue. <laughs> <laughs> and, and get this: you were wearing what watch? I was wearing my uh, gold president, and Chase, Chase was wearing his gold president. Yes, on a And so we look like twins in the city of San Francisco, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh, you must be brothers." <laughs> yes, we <Yes>. are. <laughs> yes. In our medium blue Yaris. Yes. Three door. Yes. But honestly, we had the best time in that car. That was so much fun. It was exciting. Uh, Well, I said it was really like being in Autopia. Yeah, that's right. Because it made made such a racket, and it really felt like you were in a, you know, it sounded like you were in a race car. Sure, it still didn't feel like it, (laughs) but it was very exhilarating. Right. 
the most exhilarating 15 miles an hour I've ever experienced. <laughs> so, so I swear to God, this, I it was this a shopping is, cart. Basically, <laughs> so this, this is the truth. He's talking about Autopia, but I remember I told you I said no, no, no. This is Raiders of the Lost Ark at Disneyland because yes. we're oh, yes. we're going uphill, okay. and the the sound Rick. that this engine is ripping. I'm uh -oh. like, are we going 65? Are we going 70? And Chase is like, we're at 15. <laughs> and, and you know, when you're on that ride at Disneyland, you're doing 15 miles an hour, but the the sound right. and and you know the blower is. Yeah. Oh, in the way that they make you have the sensation you're doing right. 65 70 that's right. what i thought we were doing and we were not uh, i think also the 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 tire size that were about equivalent to a large donut you know yes. really added yes. to that feeling as well i wish i wish i wish that car had cameras inside yes just so you could have Truly. heard our stories and and everything that took place in that car that was it was a great trip yeah. they should have had a GoPro yeah, yeah. It actually of not we can do it again in the future about halfway through our escapade a, an ironing board became our armrest that, that, this an is true board. you guys yes. got an ironing board was it from Ikea? from Costco <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I said to Rico I said you know I, I have to make a run to Costco um, I could pick you up afterwards, or if you'd like to come, you know, we'll, we'll go to Costco. Now, were you so, picking that up for your butler, or is just what, what, was it a courtesy pickup? I, I found that the, the ironing board that was where I was staying was not up to par. Um, oh. an inadequate ironing board. In, inadequate ironing board, That's absolutely right. inadequate. Yeah, I'll, I think we're all, I'll, no, I'll take another Negroni, please. Okay. Mr. Thank Josh, you. Thank you. So you guys are now behind because Josh is catching up to me. I think so. Yeah. This is what, your man. second? That's my man. Yeah, I'm on the Negroni train. So you just took this car. <laughs> you took this car all over San Francisco. To Napa, though? No, 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 no. We were too embarrassed to do that. No. No. Because no. that would be epic. No, we, we, that rented, would be epic. we rented a Mercedes limousine for Napa, of course. I, I think uh -huh. that I think I can imagine Sora in the back seat of that Yaris going up to Napa. I think we both would have been dead. In the hatchback. Yeah, that would not have worked. With her Louis Vuitton luggage. That would not have worked. <laughs> Juxtaposition. Actually, yeah. that really would have just added to the day dates. It really would have, actually. <laughs> it would have been brilliant. Oh, too funny. So, tell us your, your, your beginning about on Instagram. I mean, my beginning on Instagram. Yes. Well, I, I've mentioned this before, and I think I think I mentioned this on the On Time podcast when I talked to Chase Never heard and Mike. Never heard of it. Sounds archaic. Something. <laughs> some, something yeah. Speaking of archaic, I, I should thank you guys for having me on this podcast today because this podcast just feels so... Archaic? So... I, I was, I was going to say 2004, but archaic is probably right. Um, so I think I've, I've mentioned to you guys and I've mentioned to um, Upper Crest in his book, Discovering Time. Um, that when I started on Instagram, it was funny because I, I didn't really know what Instagram was because I was I was a big Facebook person back then, okay. and I and I got rid of my Facebook uh -huh. several years ago. I don't like Facebook at all. But um, the first time I put a watch photo, Eric was actually one of the first people to like it. And Eric Etokin. E no, it's Ethokin. It's Ethokin. Ethokin. Yeah, yeah. Eric I thought it was Ethokin e from the e beginning, e and then I heard you say Etokin. I'm like, what the fuck? You get Etokin from yeah. Ethokin? It's Ethokin, right? But it's just like the Chardonnay oh, and Chardonnay. It's Ethokin. Eric Thomas right? Aiken. Do you know I always you called listening to our freaking show? I always. Oh, wow. I heard all hour and a half of it. Thank you. For years, the I best part I was the jazz music in the beginning and the end. I loved it. Oh, dude, shout out to Ono. Oh, oh, that's Ono, dude. No, the music is awesome. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. What were you saying? So rude. Um, no, I... Oh, what Hi. is that? Oh. Hello. What is that? What is that? 
we have a listener call-in question. Yes. Oh, for oh, you, for oh, you specifically, sweet. Rico. For, for Rico. I can't wait. Okay. Hello, caller. Um, <laughs> Go ahead and tell me your name. Somebody must know you very well, because they want to know if you had to choose only one, would it be a kimchi refrigerator or a watch safe? Oh. <laughs> well, since I already have a watch safe, it would be a kimchi refrigerator. And this is a terrible inside joke. <laughs> now, is it in the main house or is it in the mother-in-law closet? No, no, no. In the, in the five-car garage. In the oh, okay. five-car garage. Next to the Yaris. <laughs> <laughs> On this side that we scratched. That's where the scratches came from. It was the door from the kimchi refrigerator. That's why you need a new kimchi Damn, refrigerator. Is it pushed up against the wall or yeah. does it get its own space? Well, it's, uh, it's up against the wall, but you know, I got smart. I put slots under it because outdoors, oh. you know, you got to have air circulation. For right. The and what's the kimchi um, jar quota? I said, usually stay on five. Chase is rotation. actually the Korean expert when it comes to kimchi jar quota. <laughs> and how do you know if it's expired? It does it expire? No, it does not. It just expire. gets better. <laughs> it just gets better. You've heard of thousand-year-old eggs? I yeah. mean, there's a reason they call it That's that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, actually, one of the... Um, I know it was a, a strange interjection, but one of the reasons why... I'll just speak from the, from the archaic on-time experience that I really enjoyed having Rico on, is that he has an incredible amount of experience and it's a very nice way of saying you're old. Um, <laughs> in the in the watch, specifically lu your luxury retail, that's that that's been your bread and butter. Sad but true, yes. You do know that was Enrico you were talking to. You had two lemsing. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. That's a whole different. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, that, you don't understand. I. Rico has built up an immunity to just about any substance, whether hallucinogenic I think or I have. you know depressant, yeah. stimulant. Um, it's true. I, I pretty much you could probably shoot him full of a horse tranquilizer, and nothing would happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I already have actually. Nay! <laughs> I think I shot it through my foot because I didn't have any more veins in my arm, <laughs> and it did nothing. <laughs> Guys are hilarious. So back to your start, <laughs> early start. So you had a friends that are dedicated to watch only. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this guy. <laughs> so so back to the Instagram. So right, that's how it started. So I put a watch photo on, and boom, I mean the amount of likes was obscene. Right. Before that, I get like three likes from my wife, my daughter, and my sister on a picture. Right. But um, yeah, as soon as I did, oh, I did. I, actually, the first photo I did was a watch box photo. A watch and box. I, yeah, so I, I have a, a watch box with the glass top. Right. So I did that as a photo, and I was like, should I put this on here? Like most of my friends don't know I have these watches. Like I don't know if I should even be doing this. Right. And you guys know me. I have over a hundred watches, and that's not to say I have a hundred good watches. I don't even have 100 great watches. I just have 100 watches. And, you know, I call my collection the good, the bad, and the fucking ugly because you've seen some of the fucking ugly ones. There's some really questionable watches in there. But, you know, I like to drink at night and do late-night Internet shopping, so I'm always surprised when shit shows up at my house. Right. But, um, so, yeah, so I wasn't sure if I should do that because I didn't want to look like I was being a show-off. But as soon as I did that, I mean, there was, like, instantly, within 10 minutes, 32 likes on this picture. I was like, what the is going on here there you go because they used hashtags for the brands and you know ah, da, 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 and also okay. it just brought people over mm -hmm. and so it's funny because eric was one of the first people to hit like on there and i've told this story and i think I, I, the story is in discovering time book by our friend upper crust 
And um, I went in and looked on Eric's page and very quickly realized Eric and I were the same age, had the same interests, had kind of the same fucking background. Right. I mean, it was just very bizarre. So I, I connected to Eric right away. And it was through Eric that I eventually met Summer. Okay. Eventually met you. Yeah. And eventually met Chase. So we have Eric to thank for all of this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that was five driving hippies. Six years? Or that was like six years ago now. <laughs> sea cucumber. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. You have to listen to the episode. You literally yeah. have not he listened to the episode. <laughs> For the record, Chase has no not listened to the episode. No. No. He also, Chase was not involved with that episode. Oh. Is that, it was oh, a Chase-free episode. That's true. It was. Okay. He shunned the episode. We and we know how busy episode. Chase is, so he has not had time to catch up. He is super busy. I had to do two emails that day. Yeah. He is very busy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a 200% oh increase. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying. I am dying. <laughs> two whole emails. Have you guys been to Chase's new estate? <laughs> I have not. You gave me that Doe and Headlight look. No. Have you been there? No. No. I've driven by the gate. So when I was coming in town, Chase, exactly. So Chase invited me over. So I drove over to the house for lunch, actually, two days ago. Okay. And I get there, and I didn't, I mean, Chase is doing very well. So Obviously. I get there, and it's this long, circular driveway oh, to the main house. He was, he was whining about that U-shaped driveway. Well, it's a long drive. Okay. So you pull in off the road. I got past the gate. Mm-hmm. Yes. I go, you got oh. past the gate? Of course. He gave me the code. He didn't give you the code? No, what, about the, what about snipers? <laughs> you must have told them. <laughs> Restraints. Okay. It's Rico. Okay. So I get all the way to the house, right? right? I ring the doorbell. Uh-huh. Nothing. Okay. So I'm looking at my watch. I'm looking at the date. Make sure it's the right, you know, right day. Right. Time for lunch. I ring the doorbell again. I don't want to be rude. I wait like two minutes. Right. I knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Okay. I ring the doorbell again. Nothing. Nothing. Right. So I get in my car and I start driving down the driveway oh you you and left I, I i'm like he must have forgot i was coming. right okay so i get to the end of the driveway i'm okay. about to get back that's on the a main 30 minute road. drive dude from the entrance <laughs> minimum the... yeah okay. exactly so i get back to the main drive and i look in the rearview mirror and chase is like outside on the porta cochet uh-huh. he's got his hands up he's you know giant x waving uh-huh. me down uh-huh. i'm like oh shit he's fucking home okay yeah. so yeah. i turn the car around i go all the way back to the i said dude i'm so sorry i thought maybe you forgot we were having lunch today right. he says rico do you see the size of my house? Do you know how long it takes me to get to the front door? So, so was he on foot or was he in the golf cart? <laughs> but okay, to be fair, he was actually he was on. <laughs> to be fair, I made it up was, to you. Was he on a scooter? <laughs> he had a scooter. Did he had a... That was a wildly popular. Yeah. Wow. The one where you lean forward. Oh, oh, oh. oh, the segue. The segue. Was he wearing a robe? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> The CMK? Oh my god. Now, I was gonna ask you, so you didn't get to meet his butler, right? Because he has to. The, so the butler came out after was Chase. Was Gusto or Pedro? No, it was an older gentleman. Okay. And the oh, guy moved like at the speed of a fart. I mean, the guy was so slow. <laughs> so <laughs> Chase looks wait, over. Wait, wait, wait. Chase looks over and says, I had to answer my own door. You're fired. And then I felt bad. And the guy says, Very well, sir. And he says, And when you get home, say hi to grandma for me. <laughs> I think I met that guy. I think I met that guy. He's the guy that knows more about computers than Rico. <laughs> Wait, Chase, I could be Chase sent him to my house to fix my computer. I didn't realize it was his grandfather. <laughs> oh, Rico, no, no. I have an IT repairman for you. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. He's, he's on his way. Yeah, yeah. 
so that's actually a true story, but right. it's not with Chase. It was actually, <laughs> it was actually with a client of mine. Oh I was delivering God. a package to their house. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was so, so embarrassed. Since your first picture was a watch box, pic, box picture, I think then really the next, the next picture you put up on Instagram needs to be with the kimchi fridge. <laughs> that, 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 that will open a whole new segment of oh man people yeah. Yeah. get to yeah. 200 likes minimum oh, oh yeah leaks, I should. for sure hashtag jab chip yeah <laughs> exactly exactly the oh, algorithm man. has been kind of kind of funky lately what h mart h mart hashtag h mart yeah bib and ball Okay, so now we're in, in, in a probably futile accept, attempt to be somewhat serious. I want to talk to you about futile. An, 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 another, another listener question that we had, actually from our our dear Natalie. Ah, uh, uh, Miss Weldon. Yes, uh-huh. and you know that you know the question. But one of the things, and it's it's particularly poignant because of your background with IWC and with Tiffany. So our question is. Oh, what? <laughs> we should have come up with a list of items that are off topic <laughs> before we started recording. Um, <laughs> we can just edit all that out. So anyway, here's the question. So as watch brands, and I'm reading this verbatim. Wait, do you have a noise box with you? Do you have a noise box with you? <laughs> That's awesome. That's me. I'm a human beatbox. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, incredible. As watch brands continue to move into the in-house arena, there are two camps where these fit. One, normal movements that tell the time and tell the time or record time in a traditional way. So basically, like the entire company of Salida or Soprod. Uh, and two, the quirky, let's make reading the time a reason to relearn how to read a watch. <laughs> so, in your opinion, where is the line drawn between innovation and just plain stupidity if there is one? Does a company need to go down one path to determine the true DNA of a brand, especially as the brands are often owned by the same parent company? And, so, and really are owned by the same parent company and you yeah. and I've had that discussion several times and even on on time we discussed that how yes. it, it, I told you it was a fucking pissing contest between all these in-house brands that are under the same yeah. niche umbrella I mean it just makes no sense and Swatch Group I think probably has a lot of that although they do seem a little bit more cohesive I think they, they tend to have an under well let's start with the, a, a wonderful anecdote about Swatch Group and Richemont yeah uh, Swatch Group is a watch company that is trying to learn marketing, and Richemont is a marketing company that's trying to learn about watches. That's so, a very good analogy right there. So, <laughs> yeah, let, if, if I, I want to be correct in that I did listen to your episode on On Time. Oh, there, I love you, Josh. Yeah. I will autograph that episode for you, by the way. Thank you. There was a petrified turd reference. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this man. And we'll be Can I have another Negroni, please? <laughs> oh, here it comes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Hey, hey, there's your hey, Negroni. Thank you, darling. Yes. And Rico is <laughs> telepathic <laughs> as well. Yeah. Well, mom, I guess. I don't know. You don't mind. We just think so. We can go straight Perfect. going. Yeah. Why don't we just get gasoline for you? I know, right? It has no effect on this. But... 
this is interesting because um, I'm going to throw in another facet to this question, which is not the uh, listener call-in facet, okay. and that is, I will make my statement, I don't care about in-house, and I know that everyone probably is, you're expected to, to care. Exactly. Shame, yeah. shame, shame. I, I was waiting for that. Um, you're we, expected. we need the Game of Thrones soundtrack. Shame, shame. <laughs> but really, all that matters in the end is the final product. Mm -hmm. So, do I care that, um, I don't know, any number of watch companies have a, a three-hander automatic that can, you know, no, I really don't. I think I still think that the Omega 2500, which is a 2892 with a lot of improvements, right. is probably going to be better than those movements anyway. Mm -hmm. So, are you sure it's not a 9228? Wow! <laughs> Josh threw out a number. Wow! I remember when he oh he, he took the crap on me when I reversed the numbers. I'm just making sure that <laughs> right you got a 9228. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you waited on a 10th episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, just oh, just to bring that yeah, out. Oh. Early though, yeah, Remember yeah. When he sat on it, the entire episode, the whole then, episode, and then he crapped on me at the right. end. Right, <laughs> you're, you're bringing it out now. You showed your cards early, in the early, episode. early. Well, he's only had four Negro Negronis now, so yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, I'm not Give him another two or something. The numbers really are actually. It's <laughs> when <laughs> the dyslexia kicks <laughs> But I, I, I guess all this to say, um, curious because IWC is particularly. I don't, I don't want to say guilty because I don't want to be punitive about not making your own movement. On the other hand, I think it's hilarious how much they charge for not their own movements that aren't really better. But again, the key point is better. So, and, and Tiffany also makes their own watches as well. They have their own line and then they sell Patek, which is another, you know, rabbit hole in itself. So, um, what do you have to say? So I, I agree with where you're going with this, and I and I'm like you. I think the end result is the end result. I personally don't give a fuck if you made an in-house movement, because I believe in ETA. Mm. I, I I've, and I've mentioned this to you before. I've, oh, yeah. I've been in the business long enough. You can't fucking kill an ETA movement, whether it's a, a two eight nine two, a two eight nine four, a three seven seven. Whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I mean, th this is this is what they do. Mm -hmm. They make movements, and you and you got to think of a movement as a car, because you guys love cars. In fact, we have some play cars, cars on the table, Whoa. because, Rico's because cars. Summer's a grown man that likes to play with, with car toys. toys. So yes. we have some toys on here to keep him occupied. Summer <laughs> likes <laughs> all <laughs> types of toys, just talk. to be clear. <laughs> but, but the thing with, the, thing with the, the car analogy is that, I mean, you have everything from a Pinto to a Ferrari, and ETA can make that. They have the know-how, they have the ability, they have the manufacturing capabilities, right? So it, it doesn't bother me um, if one of my watches has an ETA. But here's the example that you just mentioned, and, and I'll tell you something I do have a problem with. My Squally, and, and Josh, you have the root beer Squally, I have the blue Squally that matches you, because sometimes you and I are twins when we go out, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, but that's a 2.8, uh, it's a 2.824 in that movement. Yeah. And that watch is a very value priced watch at less than $600. It used to be less than 500. It's gone up the past couple of years. Okay. That's a very value conscious watch. It's very well made for what it is. The price is right. It's a great entry rate for anybody. But here's the deal. The IWC Mark 12, 13, whatever the fuck it is, it's the same goddamn movement and it's $5,000. Yeah. So here's the funny thing with IWC. They were, you're, you're almost right. 
So the, so oh my I was close. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, no, but I like, told the wine steward this wine would have been great at 36.4 degrees temperature, <laughs> but it was served to me at 38, and that's why you're only getting 10% tip, sir. <laughs> no, but I, so so yes, I, so. But here's this is the this you're is the key. Right. Hashtag life with Chase. <laughs> The, tw- oh, the 2824 so is actually better <laughs> than the 2892. You even, are correct. Even though the 2892 is regarded as a, in quotes, higher end movement. Yeah, yeah. That's what IWC uses. They yeah. use they use 2892s. Actually, they use Salidas as well. They do use Salidas as well, and they started that about a decade ago. But here's the thing: if if it ends, like, like, for example, so my pilot chronograph is a 37701. Right. The 01 means it was an ETA. If it was a 37709, that means they used a Salida movement Ah. in that watch. So that's how you know the difference what was used. So the lower the number is the ETA, the higher number is the Salida. Dude, I just blew your mind. Are you okay? Can we get another Negroni over here, please? (laughs) I just learned something. I'm so excited. So I can tell. The the hold on the table just fell over. (laughs) (laughs) We need to reshuffle. (laughs) Okay, but backing up to the Squally. So let's let's think about this. Because honestly, we've had this conversation. I don't want to mention names, but there's a local watchmaker. Right. And on time, Mike and I had this conversation, and he and I are on the same page about this guy. You know, he's calling himself a watchmaker. Bro, you're not a fucking watchmaker. You're buying components here, there, and everyone's slapping them together. Yeah, yeah. And really, Squally, I love them, but let's be honest. They're just taking that 2824, and they're putting it in their case with their dial and their shit. Yes. Right. When IWC is getting this, they're actually making several modifications to it. It's not like you're just getting it raw, and they're slapping it in there. Right. And, and, and you know, I'm being, right. I'm being kind of cavalier when I say, oh, this one's 500, this one's 5,000. Right. But there are some things that they're doing to it. There are some special... Fo- so, <laughs> Can I get another Manhattan over here, please? I can't talk right now. And there um, are also grades from Edda themselves. There are absolutely yeah. grades. Yeah. Four yeah. grades yeah. altogether. There you go. Let's start. Right. Top. Elaborated. Right. Help me out, Chase. Uh, so actually, I I think it goes. Shit, I can't remember. I forgot what the Where first one. Where it goes. Ebosh? <laughs> it goes. I think it goes actually elaboré. I'm playing with my car toys. Top and then um, and then chrono- chronometer. But chronometer, I, that's right. But the, what's the first one that we're missing is actually the lowest grade, which has been phased out for many, for many of the calibers. And I don't remember which one that is. I can't either. I, I'm, I'm looking through my phone because I had this all Rico written down. Rico is scrolling through his 2016 feed. Look at the way he scrolls. Like, shit, dude. Ten page per scroll. No, but, but I think it's very important because there are they are sold in different increments. Uh-huh. And, and that, that is important because some people can buy a better grade right. than others can. I mean... You, you can buy the same damn one, but I mean, sure. you're putting more to it. So if you're getting a chronometer standard, I mean, you would assume it's the best, right? Correct. You would assume. Right. Um, but there are different grades up. But I mean, IWC and, and some other companies under that uh, umbrella do make modifications to that movement. They're taking out things. They're adding things. I think they add rubies to movements as well. They're doing a lot of things for that. I mean, it, so I don't want to sound cavalier and say, it's the exact same movement. I mean, it is, but it also isn't. Right. Correct. Yeah. It has the same DNA. We. Oui. <laughs> so, so, so do Chihuahuas and Wolves. We, we miss that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's too good. It's By the way, it's fun. a beautiful watch, dude. Thank what you. You're so wearing right now. Oh, what is thank it? you very much. This is um, this is actually from the mid '90s. This is a Tiffany and Company. Uh, I don't know what this is. It was in their it was in their catalog for like three hundred dollars back in '96. I just liked it. So this one is from 
the mid nineties. Uh-huh. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. So that one's from the mid nineties, and that's that's from a lesser Tiffany line. It also has a so engraving. so. I don't want to mention my wife, right. but a lot of my watches have been gifts from her, and whenever she gives me a watch, she always engraves the back oh, with the year. This is two thousand and two. So when I got that one, it was two thousand and two. So we put two thousand and two on that one. Yeah. Okay, but yesterday says Papacito. What? Why is it different than this one? <laughs> I, I have Pop, a few no, different ones. Papacito. <laughs> no, Papacito. I said, I said Papito. Why are you keep misquoting me? <laughs> wow, it's gorgeous, dude. I mean, it's a cheap-ass watch. Is it really? It's a what's, super what's, cheap watch. Is, I think about 30 quick. years ago, I think that was around 300 bucks. What, what, what's the movement on this watch? That would be a Swiss quartz movement. Yeah. It's so the, so uh, it's uh, not that expensive. Chronograph. Uh, I don't know what the caliber is. You know what's funny? So I bought this rally strap on Amazon for $9. I didn't like this watch. And I was telling Josh before. I said, you know, I didn't like this watch for a long time. I bought this cheap rally strap, black and blue, put it on here. I feel like I have a brand new watch. So I'm in love with it now. I think Josh touched up on that. Same with me, yeah. Whenever I put a new strap on the watch. It's like you have a new watch. I I fall in love with this. Uh, Dude, I go through the same thing. I can see the strap, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a great size too. What is it, 36? 30? It is a 36, which was the standard size in the 90s. You have to remember that. Wow. 36 and 38 were the norm. And you know what? You, you guys know who my mother's father was. He's a, a big uh, big man. He was a tattoo artist, very right. famous back in the 20s, right. 30s, and 40s. Right. When there was only like a handful of them in the country. Today, right. they're on every damn corner here on the West Coast, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, today when someone goes in to get tattooed, it's usually like some little you know college girl that wants you know hearts and flowers or whatever or it's some guy that's getting you know a sleeve because he works in a baker and he wants everyone to see his sleeves or somebody who works at starbucks or somebody who works at starbucks yeah absolutely but back in the day you know these guys were all like hardcore criminals and badasses and military guys that were you know badasses so you know i think of grandpa always having to you know protect his own and get in these fights with these big men and he was a big man and I say this because I've inherited all of his watches, and back in his time, those are like 32 millimeter, 34 millimeter. Yeah. And I'm like, for a man of his size, how did you even see this thing, right? right? It's, it's just nice. bizarre. <clears throat> but sizes have changed, and, and, and honestly, back to IWC, IWC is what really changed the size of watches today. It was IWC. It was IWC, because 2002, after Vendom Group purchased IWC along with uh, Jager and... Um, Longa. Longa. Thank you, Longa. God, I just love Chase. Don't you love Chase? I love Chase. Love Chase. Invaluable. It was Longa. I mean, you cannot put it. Was it right? It was was Longa. Okay, because they were owned by VDO. Uh, no. Yes, he is. They were owned by a gallery. I can tell you. They were owned by. Or was that wait? LMH. Wait. So, wait. So, sorry. IWC was owned by LMH. No, no. Uh. Uh, yes, IWC was owned by LMH. That is correct. And but LMH had assembled. They had uh, the guy who used to be in charge at IWC ended up making the play for Jaeger, and then Longa, and then Cartier Group, which was Vendom, came along and bought them out. And that's when Richemont was formed with all the major brands. Because originally, I think that uh, Jaeger and uh, Longa were owned by VDO. You are correct. And then IWC took them over. Right. Yes. Right. So that's, and then, and that then, was And then that, they got yeah. renamed LMH Group. Yes. Okay. Which I think was the initials of the guy that ran everything. I, I can't remember. Probably. But, um, so, so when... That's not narcissistic at all. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, when, but when IWC invented the seven-day power reserve and launched it uh-huh. at um, 
S I H H. I think it was 2002. It could have been 2001, but I think it was 2002, and came out with that 46 millimeter watch case in reference to their original pilot watches of the 30s. Right? Everybody at that fucking group laughed at them. Thought the watch was ridiculous. Thought it was a clock. No right. one's gonna wear this. Right. right. And the watch, as you know, became extremely successful. And the next. S-I-H-H, everybody was clamoring for a larger size watch. And so, that's when watch, and Panerai was doing 44s, Cartier's got bigger, I was going to everything say, under that group got was bigger. Was it IWC first, or was it Panerai first? Because Panerai was making those well, monsters Panerai, Panerai, way back. Yeah, but I think the Panerai's are 44s. And, and, and yeah. so you're going up to a 46, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? So yeah, but Panerai really did start setting the bar. Yes. Yeah, for sure. That, that was when they, because it wasn't Panerai, that was also in the late 90s there, already. I see you smiling. Stop kicking me under the table, <laughs> dirty boy. <laughs> You're wearing quartz. I'm wearing a quartz, I'm and you know quartz. I hate quartz. Yeah, you hate quartz? I but hate I thought you quartz. just love all watches. But I do love all watches, but I prefer a mechanical or an automatic. Yeah, but you know why? Watches. Because when the quartz is dead, I'm I'm one of those lazy assholes that stays on his couch all day <laughs> yeah. watching fucking cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna leave Super Friends to go to the watch shop sure. and get a battery. It makes Fuck sense. No. It makes yeah. sense. <laughs> right? So half my half, in fact I've got so two that's with me that aren't working right now. So that's the one thing that drives me about drives me nuts about quartz is yeah. that whenever I wanna summon it, it's not ready. Right. It's it's just dead. It's dead. And uh-huh. you can't do anything about it. Technically they're going to be the most accurate. But I don't think we're doing we're not, I'm not, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. No, we're no not. we better no. not. Don't, don't activate Chase. Oh, man. shit. No. He's salivating. <laughs> I saw I saw saliva coming off yeah. his front teeth. Never mind. Let's gonna, back down. Back down. We're not going to touch up on that back, subject. Let's back it up. Not today. <laughs> I can't with you guys. Uh, there's there's nothing wrong with quartz. The only problem with quartz is the battery inside. Really? <laughs> really? Well, I, I think... Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Cole Pennington, but... Ooh. Yeah, there you go. Well, he, he's a writer, and uh, he, he recently was saying that yeah. it's it's the man that makes the watch. Right? Yes. He, in, in reference to that makes he was sense. talking about the um, the Paul Newman Daytona, like right. originally selling for three hundred bucks, because he was and small. then selling for eighteen million. Right. Right. People didn't pay for the watch; they paid for the person wearing it. Right. Right. right? And dude, when I see that watch on Rico, I think that's freaking awesome. Thank you, bro. I, I love well, that watch. I have to well, but. And, the, and seeing it even in the future, I, I might want to pick that watch up because I seen it on Rico and I thought it looked cool. And I was like, hey, I, I might want to look cool like Rico one day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bro, you look cooler than Rico. And I'll, I'll pick that watch up. Yeah. Uh, but a lot, and even the, with the uh, cocktail time. The, yes. Oh, there we go. The Negroni Rio. Uh, <laughs> please, thank you. Cheers, Jets. Cheers. 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 Cheers, guys. Mm. Clean. Clink it up. Rico Suave Bola. It's all over his iPad. Yeah, don't pretend it's the first time you spilled a drink. Is that the first gen iPad? First gen iPad? It is. It's a classic. It's vintage. I can't even update it anymore. It doesn't take updates. Has it patinaed? That's what makes it valuable, John. And it's never been updated. By the way, Brother Josh, you were missed last night. Yes, you were. I miss you guys daily. Oh, damn. Nightly. Shout out to Kleenex. Nightly also. <laughs> per hour. You know, per minute. Not per Kleenex. Sex. It's puffs with lotion. No, if no, no. If you read no. Consumer Reports, you would know this. No, no. We're trying to get Kleenex as a sponsor. Yeah, bro. Oh, shit. Yeah. Sometimes it gets pretty emotional on the show. Yeah. And Oh, if it's I, for the emotional moments, Kleenex yeah. is fine. Kleenex. So are we going to go we're, with Georgia Pacific or Procter & Gamble? 
This episode is brought to you by Kleenex. <laughs> Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know. Georgia makes pretty good paper, too. <laughs> Doesn't Chase just blow you away? He's blown me away several times. <laughs> I guess he wanted the yours. And that's all, folks. <laughs> Thank God those windows were dirty. That makes two of us. <laughs> Why did he fucking tell me I was special? <laughs> he tells everybody they're special. Oh, man. He gave me a watch with the Mercedes-Benz logo. <laughs> was it the Bimmers? Yes, yes. Do you have one, too? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty rare, pretty unique. No, <laughs> but apparently, we, we both got one. He gave you both one? Yeah. Oh, oh man. You were missed last night. You were very missed last night. It wasn't night. the same. Very, no, that wasn't the same. No. But you know what happened? I wasn't supposed to come last night. Remember, because I was going back east again. Yeah. So remember, at the last minute, I switched plans. Right. And that's why Josh had already made his plans. Made his plans to not be there. Because when he heard it was just the two of you, he was like, "Fuck that shit! Yeah. I'm not going." Yeah. 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 Really, that is what happened. That got, is really what happened. I already got sorry, my Ben wrist with the logo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Had a Negroni before? I have. What do you What do you think of this? I like it very much. Actually, I like Campari. Yeah. And um, the f when the first time I had Campari, I was very confused because I didn't know what it was. I saw the bottle was red, and I think I was 14 on an airplane. <laughs> and I ordered the I ordered I first class on Pan Am. Oh. Actually, I, I'll, I'll be on, so That's I was in. Concord. Excuse me. Oh. I was, I was unfortunately in economy class, and I think I was coming back from Ukraine, which is why they didn't ask my age. Ladies and gentlemen, we have found the mall. We have found the Ukrainian mall. And I just said, I'll have a Campari, and I tried to drink it straight. Right. Oh, this At is, 14, right? This is exceptionally bitter. <laughs> I didn't like it. He didn't say it was bitter. He's like, excuse me, madame, this is exceptionally bitter. Madame. <laughs> <laughs> Always respectful. Yeah, yeah. Always. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. Where the heck were we? We always go off tangent. <laughs> you guys always go off tangent. So I got to bring you back. I want to bring you back yeah, bring on tangent bring because because this is the funny thing. So let's let's get on, let's get focused here because my wife is uh, ready to go to dinner. We asked you to bring three. watches. You asked me to bring three watches. Right. Here's the problem. Where are we there? <laughs> we're we're at the end now, Josh. We're, we're at the end. We're, we're we've got to yeah. Okay. Um. But you know, it's hard for me with as many watches as I have to narrow it down. Yeah, and I've seen yeah. you guys every four months for the past five years. Yes. Right. So we've hung out at least 20 times, some of us more than 20 times, right? Yeah. And I always wear the same thing. I always either have a Rolex, an IWC, or an Omega. So you kind of probably figure those are my favorites, yeah. right? Okay. And, and you would be correct to assume so. Here's the problem. I could not, for the love of God, narrow down to three watches because I collect another divers one. watches another one yeah. I collect pilots watches uh -huh. and I collect dress watches okay. so, so then I decided maybe I need to focus on narrowing down within these groups okay. so, so I did I, I pulled aside three pilots watches uh -huh. that I love I pulled aside three dress watches uh -huh. that I love and I pulled aside three divers watches all of which would have been great because I know the format for the show because your your yeah. one listener told me he goes I think I figured out the formula <laughs> they they bring three watches and they they make them choose which one they hate the most at the end okay 
But as I pulled out my dress watches, I realized my three dress watches are are probably my more favorite watches. So the reason I'm wearing this 30-year-old Tiffany today mm-hmm. is because I worked for Tiffany almost, uh, what was it, 20, I was with them 22, 22 years ago. Wow. And I loved working at Tiffany Company. It was one of the best jobs I ever had. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the only reason I left, I was recruited to go somewhere else for a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I chased the cash because I had a young daughter and I needed the money. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, I never would have left. I mean, it's just, it's a phenomenal company to work for. Cool. And so the reason I bring this up, Chase and I have had this story. So I'm going to give you a little a back history. I've, I've told Chase this story before. In the early, you know, in the late 60s, my mother's sister married a very wealthy man from the Midwest and they were the same age um, to give you an idea of wealth he was already making six figures in the 60s he's oh, like wow. the king of the furniture wow. industry mm-hmm. very oh, wealthy wow. guy and very humble very down to earth not you know shady dude when my father passed away in 1974 he just took it upon himself to spend more time with me and like for that year for Christmas uh-huh. he, he wanted my Christmas to be a very special Christmas okay. right so when he would come visit, he wore a Tiffany & Company Pulsar. And that Pulsar was with the red LED display. And he would let me wear that watch. It would fall off my wrist, right? Yeah. But that watch to me was the epitome of luxury and coolness. And, you know, time and place. I was a Star Trek geek as a kid. Right. So I had a Star Trek playset, which included the phaser and the tricorder. Yes. And, and your little flip phone that's like the precursor for the Motorola Razor. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have my uncle's watch on my hand. And I just thought that was the epitome of the future. Right. It was very futuristic. And time and place, it's two years before one of my favorite movies, Logan's Run. It's uh, mm. three years before Star Wars. It's three years before Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But it's still very futuristic and very memorable. So having that watch uh, and being able to wear it meant a lot to me. So that year for Christmas, he bought me one as well. Not on a stainless band. It was on a leather band. Mm -hmm. And so 1974 is my first red LED watch. Mm -hmm. Now, again, me having young wrists. My uncle's kind of a midget, so I didn't know he was like a rich uncle. I thought he was a rich friend. Are you seven? (laughs) I was 42 at the time, so... So we go down to the garage. He pulls out a fucking nail and a hammer uh-huh. because he's trying to make holes in the leather strap. That's yeah. insane. And that's, I panicked. I was like in shock, panicking, like this guy's ruining my damn watch. Right. Uh-huh. So it was kind of always a broken watch after that. Like, <laughs> and it wasn't as futuristic with my Star Trek playset, right. yeah. but it was my first foray into Tiffany. Mm-hmm. And he would always take me to Tiffany and, and he was always buying everyone Tiffany gifts. That was the brand that he loved. Right. My aunt's ring came from Tiffany New York Salon, mm-hmm. private showroom, the whole nine yards. So so I've had this long standing thing with Tiffany and I love Tiffany. And it's funny because last month Josh texted me and he says, Hey I'm watching this show uh-huh. on Netflix uh-huh. on typography. Right, and yeah. this guy came up with the the Tiffany lettering right because you're gonna love this show i said josh i can't believe that's great i can't wait to see it well you know in one ear out the other i completely (laughs) forgot so two days later Uh our friend jazz bass from detroit texted me he's like david dude david yeah Yeah. david's such an awesome guy what's up david shout out david's awesome david texted me he's like bro you got to see this he goes this is right up your alley you love tiffany so you listen to david but not to josh well, that's, what, because, that's my takeaway. No, 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 no. All right. So that's, Josh planted the seed, and ah, I even told okay. David, I said, oh, that's my God, good Josh advice. told me the same thing. What did he say? He's hot. That's good advice. That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That, might be, that actually may be true. You're right about that. 
<laughs> so David texted me. He's like, dude, you got to watch. So I did. I mean, and it was great. Totally ignored you. He totally ignored you. But I was traveling. I forget where I was. Okay, I was right, traveling. Right, right. Okay. And David hits you up. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch that show. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was very interesting. So, okay. you know, I, and I remember Tiffany coming. You know, a lot of times you look at the blue box mm-hmm. and you, you it, it see that blue, Tiffany though. and company. Was it blue and you think it's What's Times the New Pantone Roman. Color? Right, but it's theirs. Rico knows the band. Rico knows the the color is actually a Pantone color, and the color code is 1837. Wow. It's considered blue? And do you know why it's 1837? Please tell us. No. It's the year that Tiffany & Company was founded. No oh, freaking way. Well, if any of you had Chase, girlfriends, you, you would know this. Chase, I'm, 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 can you confirm? I'm, I'm, I'm having deja vu to about 24 hours ago. Is it considered blue though? It's not seafoam green. Or I think they actually can, they call it robin's egg blue. It is robin's egg so blue. So it is under yeah. the blue family. And and it's robin's egg blue because you have to remember when Charles Tiffany, who I will keep calling CT and honor the CT60 because <laughs> yes. I love that watch, which I do not own, but I I, I aspire to have one in my collection one day. Yes, but we had a conversation about we, one yes, recently. You, there's one that you and I both like. Uh, yes. I like that one a lot too. Um, my little twin over there. I love him. Yes, I, I know. He's so I good. I can see from He's the twinkle so in your eyes. <laughs> He's so good. So, it's funny. So, Charles Tiffany, when he came up with the color of the packaging, a lot of people don't realize this. It's because Napoleon III's wife, uh, I want to say Empress Eugenie. I might be drawing a blank here. Look it up, <laughs> we'll, but you guys we'll will know. Sure. That was her favorite color. Hi. What do you have? A fire stone? Yes, the fire stone. Oh, for you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. And did you need to order another one? Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Empress Eugenie's favorite color. So Charles was very correct to package all of his diamonds in this packaging that represented her favorite color because really he was appealing to her mm-hmm. and she was the biggest client at the time. Uh, and that's how this color became synonymous no, with Tiffany. Now, is it a prerequisite to know this history? Not at all. Not at all. Tiffany? No, not at all. In it fact, a lot be. of people that work there today probably don't even know Are this. You serious? I'm, I'm completely this. serious. This is and, great. And also, actually. in fact, it's not even Tiffany and company. It was like Tiffany, Young, and Ellis and company. So today, almost 200 years later, we don't talk about Young and we don't talk about Ellis. And, and Tiffany and company wow. PR machine has kind of tailored it only towards CT. So the reason I bring this up, getting back to why we're here today and having fun talking watches, uh-huh. it was actually really Mr. Young that brought the wristwatches into Tiffany & Company, wow. not, not my beloved CT. So let's get back to... I wanna, I wanna talk hashtag about, facts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So you guys know they started in 1837. You have yes. a Wikipedia? No. I'll open right now because no. you know that's written by Chase. 90% of it. Yeah. 90% of all Wikipedia is written by Chase. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people realize this. Edited. Edited by Chase. Did you see his initials? Chase yeah. Mouse Coffee. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alright, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. no. It was uh, whiskey time. Alright, so when Mr. Young mm-hmm. introduced the watches, it was 1846. So it's nearly a decade after the company has started. And the reason for the watches, you have to remember that Tiffany and Company um, was at the top of their game for clocks, Mm -hmm. for silver, Mm -hmm. and for jewelry. Right. They started as a stationary store. They ended up becoming something much more. Yeah, it was a stationary shop. And they ended up becoming something much more. So when Mr. Young started to introduce watches, 
uh, they went to the leading watchmakers of the, of the day and basically were reselling from other brands. Right. So the leading watchmaker at the time was a guy named Charles Frocham. Frocham, yes. Yeah, uh, look at my boy. Oh. Did you see that twinkle in his eyes? <laughs> Yeah, I did see it. Yeah, like he's like oh, he, <laughs> look, 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 he's got the Rain Man movement going on. <laughs> I, I, I also, uh -oh, yeah, uh -oh. I also heard two different pronunciations. Chases would be the correct one, just so everyone knows. Um, and, of Arnold and Frotchim. Yeah, Chase, how do you say? It? Yeah, Can you just sure. confirm, real quick? Um, I mean, I don't know how they actually pronounce their name. Okay, in your but tell us how they should. Tell us how they should. Tell us how they should have pronounced their name. Tell us how they should. I probably erroneously always thought of it as Frocham, but there it is. But it could have been Frocham. Henceforth, it would be Frocham. Here on forward. Frocham. Frocham. And and they were from London, and you know they were England's most renowned maker of pocket chronometers. Yes. And complicated watches. Are you reading your diary, dude? And they were the winner of the gold medals at both London's Great Crystal Palace Exhibition of 1851. Eye contact, someone watching you. And the Paris Exposition of 1855. And they were the leaders in the adoption of the standard. Greenwich. Greenwich Mean Time. Mean GMT. Time. That's correct. Yes. GMT. That's right. So look, look, look how I came in. I you actually came in contributed just, to yes, you the did. conversation. Yes, you did. So meanwhile, I'm playing with two cars over you're, here. You're, <laughs> you're, and I'm watching. I'm watching Twinkle Eyes over here. It's not coincidental that the best watchmakers were British uh -huh. and French and German at the time, Be and, and also the the watchmaking school. The the one, one of the watchmaking schools, at least for continental Europe, was actually in Paris. At the time. What about current day? Yeah. Now they're all over the place. They're all over. Yeah, for real. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. But it's interesting. We're, we're talking about Charles Frocham and their watches. They were British. And Brit British watches were at the forefront of horology. One of the reasons why is because oh, thank they you. were necessary for navigation. And much. really Appreciate accurate. It was not... British watchmaking was not focused on cheap mass production watches that were made by farmers during the winter time. That's Switzerland. Um, that's, but that's no, really. correct. No, that is exactly that, right. You know the, that. Yes. Hold no punch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's 100% accurate on this. Yeah. When was he ever wrong? Never. That's the question. Never. <laughs> okay, then. I just see ever not there. And when he took that time. left on La Cienega earlier today when he should have taken a right, but he didn't know. No, right. he, didn't know. he didn't know. I'll he get back into the DeLorean to correct it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's my boy. I'm sorry, carry on. <laughs> but it would make sense that that they would have a partnership with Frodsham because that would have been one of the premier watchmakers at the time. Absolutely, and indeed it was. And so that's why they, they partnered with him to sell his brand mm -hmm. in their boutiques. So the second person, as you mentioned, next one would be French. Um, actually, no, the next one would be Swiss. Um, so the second person that they partnered with was a Polish-born count. So that would be Patek? That would be Antoine Nobert de Patek, of yeah. Patek and Company from Geneva, who established Patek and Philippe. Right, Philippe was only the, the distributor though. Correct. Uh, that so was established in 1851 with French-born Jean-Adrien Philippe, of Paris, and he was the inventor of the modern keyless stem winding watch. The third person that they so partnered with... Was this co-branded? It was not. Okay. So this is very interesting. Not co-branded at the time, but they did collaborations, and I'll get into that in just a second, okay. which were not 
double labeled. So do you mean they were not co-branded as in they were Tiffany branded only or they were Patek branded only? They were Patek branded only at this time. And they were um, Fraud Jam branded only at the time. Ah. And then the third person that they partnered with was Jules Jorgensen. Oh, uh, oh. Jules Jorgensen. Jules Jorgensen was Jules actually Jorgensen. Oh. So they, oh, so, yeah. so he, here is on the low jam. of of all <laughs> of the watch companies of all of the brands that have suffered the most. Oh my God! It's so fate. true. It's so fucking true, dude. It's so true. Jules Jorgensen was the. It was the Roger Smith, George Daniels. No, no, for real. Philippe Dufour of watches. Listen to what Chase is saying because this is exactly 100% and true. And now you can buy them at Rite Aid. It, which, it, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> for, for $7.99. For, for $7, yes. No, no, no it's, it's so sad. It is so sad because if you study that brand, and, and, and I know you have, and you see, I mean, even up until the 1940s, some of the stuff coming from that factory, they amazing, were, and they now were, bastards. I, I, you, I, I, you, I'll put it to you this way, actually. When when it was the real Jules Jorgensen, you could not say with any certainty that there was a better watch. You could say they had competitors, and they were very few, but there was no better watch at the time. Same page. Same page. I think some run are on a different page. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you, like, two, you two look like you're stroking under the fucking table, so you need to quit that shit. You're stroking. You and Chase look like you guys are stroking it too. I'm just fucking eye banging him, dude. It's not touching him. That's only Jesus. because we have the same shoe size. Oh, right. <laughs> a couple of twelves. <laughs> and we like to stomp on grapes. Wow. <laughs> All right. So listen. So these brands were under exclusive agreements to Tiffany and Company, right? Right. And it's interesting to know. This is interesting. It's interesting to know. Pay attention, kids. I'm in the 1860s, there's already counterfeits of Patek in New York. Mm-hmm. Wait, say that again? Really? In the 1860s, there's, counterfeit, right? there's already counterfeit Pateks in New York City. Who was it? Canal Street? Canal Street, probably not, because it was actually a canal back then. This, there was no street. It was actually so if you know your New York City history like I love, you would know Canal Street was actually a canal. There was a guy on a gondola, actually. It's an actual canal. It's an actual canal. That's right. So no, there was no Canal Street. It was a canal. It's a canal. It's a canal. So what happens is Patek forces CT to start running ads in New York saying if you're not buying a Patek and Philippe from Tiffany & Company, the chances are you're buying a fucking counterfeit watch. And I think that's so interesting in time and place because we think of today, it's so fucking easy for any manufacturing firm in China to copy anything. Right. But well, also the manufacturers are producing their stuff in China to begin with, so it makes true. it a lot easier. This is a dirty story no one likes to discuss, but that is, that is sadly true. Oh, that is sadly man. true. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting because, you know, today the whole counterfeit watch thing is just so rampant right and i was just in new york you know i was hanging out with upper crust uh, mm-hmm. a month ago and um i, I went down the lower side not with him but i have another friend that, that's down there Did that you guys go to chinatown together no 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 we just hung out in the check in the out the market how he's doing we, we, we hung out in a secret little under the bridge okay in, yeah yeah central park i can't really discuss the so details you didn't go that. to wohop downstairs <laughs> 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 they stayed upstairs in a bow board. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we were in a penthouse overlooking that park. It was quite lovely. All right, so by 1866, Tiffany officially has their own watch department in their New York 
store, mm -hmm. okay? And at this time, they begin to do their own branding of their watches. Yes. Okay. All right. So, again, when you think of time and place, this is right after the Civil War. So a lot of people don't really have money. And a lot of the shit that they're making is very high-end, very expensive. And they do very well with this market, right? Right. And they bring in a young uh, British watchmaker to work in the New York store. Mm -hmm. And around this time, Tiffany creates a very state-of-the-art facility in Geneva to make watches. Now, this facility exports the watches to New York right. where the cases are then put onto the movements right. okay. and embellished in New York. Mm -hmm. But the pieces are coming direct from Geneva itself, all right? So they were IWC before IWC. They were IWC before IWC. <laughs> so already figured out, let's go to Geneva because it's cheaper. Let's go, to, let's go to Switzerland, a.k.a. China, yeah. to have some cheap labor. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's going to save us a ton. There you yeah. go. Exactly. I mean, think about it. That is absolutely the truth. Well, yeah. But today when you tell the story, it's romantic because people think of Swiss watchmaking industry. They don't yes. realize back then it was cheap labor. Yeah. That's why you went to Switzerland. Right. All right. So... Um, what happens during this time, obviously, because not everybody has money, less expensive watches are doing very well. They're popular with the masses. Right. Uh, this is when Waltham and Elgin take off yes. because they're more accessible to the common person. So CT, Charles Tiffany. Yeah. The, the big homie CT. The big yeah. homie, yeah. Uh, he decides to go for that market. He decides to go for that market. So uh -huh. he opens a bigger facility in Switzerland, a state-of-the-art, the largest watch manufacturing plant in Geneva to go after this lower At price At the time, market. right? At the time, yeah. To go after this lower price market. And what he ended up doing surpassed his rivals who were just making stem winding watches. He ends up making chronographs, chronographs with split seconds, minute repeaters, which are my personal favorite, self-acting repeaters, and calendar watches. So in comparison, he's going after Elgin and Waltham, but Elgin is only making key winding watches at this time. So Tiffany sets the bar. In what year? Uh, this is 18... It's past 1866. Okay. So yeah, it's yeah. between 1866 and 1878. Oh, so it's within that it's decade. It's before 1880 point. because that's, yes. that's when you started actually seeing them stem winding watches. Right. So what happens just before that, in 1878, something very bizarre happens. Tiffany which has that large watch manufacturer in Geneva, does something really odd. They sell the entire facility to Patek Philippe. They Chase, can you concur? Sell, they sell the watch-making facility to Patek Philippe in the 1800s? Yes, sir, in 1878. So what does Patek do? Because so in exchange, Patek Philippe now supplies Tiffany & Company with all of their watches. But Patek <clears throat> is buying... A Bosch from Jaeger at the time. Did you hear me drop you Bosch earlier? I heard it. You know what? You did. <laughs> you did. So you were... Josh, you were ahead of the conversation, just so you know. I try to stay ahead of the curve. Yes. He got, so a, I, he got a hold of you. Chase's right. DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> Same year. Hold, no, on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Did you hold on the earlier? Yeah, yeah. The, the treats are there. <laughs> 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 Treat yourself. <laughs> what was your thought? Um, how did they have the largest state-of-the-art watchmaking facility when Pat... What did Patek do? Shut everything down? Like, I just don't understand. No, so Patek actually took over the facility. Right, but Patek wasn't making their own movements. 
they were now because this facility was up and uh, running making movements. In the 1800s? Yes, sir. 1878 is when they sell it to Patek and Philippe. Whoa. Richard is schooling I'm, Kaufman? I, I will, all I will say I, is... I feel like on time Mike. My feathers are about to come out. <laughs> <laughs> are you peacocking? <laughs> What's that of the peacock? I love on time Is that Mike. it? That's it. All we'll say is that what I'm hearing doesn't make sense based on what I know or I guess thought I knew, but because they were bought, they were not producing their own movements What's at that time. What's the allotted quota for the DeLorean to, to time travel a day? Yeah, that, here we go. <laughs> I think it's uh, got to go back in time. We should I check it. So, it's so you can check this out after. Okay, I'm, I'm actually yeah, no, no, now. No, no. I'm really curious. I picked your interest. I'm I like this. Really, this really cool. curious. Okay, so, so again, it's 1878. Uh -huh. Tiffany sells right. the, their facility. Right. Patek and will now supply Tiffany with the watches. So basically, they're already manufacturing the watches there. Patek is taking over production, but the agreement with Tiffany and Patek goes back. 25 years before this. No way. Yes, for, okay. for Paddock to supply watches. Yeah, yeah. And as Chase will tell you, that agreement 2001 was their 150th anniversary. Yes, with the anniversary business, watch as well. The anniversary watch, the T150, which again, another one I wish I had in my collection. It's so beautiful. You know, here's the funny thing. So I, I don't want to interrupt you. No, please do. Relatively speaking, that is not an expensive Patek. It's actually not at all. It's no. it's there's almost no premium yeah. over just another one. You are absolutely <laughs> sorry. So, sorry to the listeners at home. We're doing side shit too. I my phone out for a Take selfie. another one, Josh. Take another and one. Everything just stopped. Take another one. Fantastic. All right, come here. Take, Take a picture of everybody. What the hell? That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So, so let's. So I'm going to move this conversation right. along. Yeah. So we're going to move forward to the 1930s. Okay. And 1930s is really when you start to see the American taste for wristwatches in the 30s begin over pocket watches, okay. and that shift diaphragm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of an ex from college. I'm so sorry. <laughs> When you like to have sex, I'm not gonna know. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll my diaphragm. Oh my god. Shoot me now. All right. Summer space is priceless right now. It just reminded me of a girl from 30 years ago. Same face. Same face. All right. So. um so slowly, by 1934, the exports from Switzerland to the U.S. Right. are becoming two wristwatches to every one pocket watch. And this shift started really World War One. correct? Yeah. I, I have to look at Chase for confirmation now because he's got me questioning my dates in Switzerland, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> so anyway, so... <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> Because a nod it, will do. There's going to be a lot of editing. Here. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of editing. <laughs> so World War One, the infantrymen are getting wristwatches. Yes. And when they're coming home, they prefer the wristwatches. The wrist right? Their dads, there, their granddads yeah. had the pocket watches. Yeah. Yeah. Now the pension is really for. Next, so this next, is in this the is, 30s, right? No, this is next gen. Yeah. <laughs> so this transition starts in the 30s, oh, right. and this starts a weird transition for Tiffany and Company. So right. I'm going to give a vague overview, and I'll, Chase can give a little synopsis okay. in here. Because Chase Ford, is really confused now. Yeah. No, he's not. Okay. I'll set him straight later when okay. you guys leave. Okay, it's good. Right. good. 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 So it looks like he's processing. Is yeah. there going to evolve a paddle? It's all right. We'll be. 
he told you about our games? I told you. When you gave me that Benius Mercedes, you said I was the only one. No, at least two. At least two that we know of. Yes. Accounted for. Accounted for. So jumping forward, so 1930s to 1950s. Tiffany's kind of in, in this limbo thing where they, they sell other brands, sometimes co-branded, okay. oftentimes not. Okay. All right. So these are the brands that Tiffany and company are selling from 1930s to 1950s. Right. They include Concord, Movado, Hamilton, Omega, Rolex, Breguet, GG Lacou, and Patek. And that is a very long list of watch lines. It is. Patek. Patek. All right. So the reason I bring that up is because that's interesting. I mean, there's a long line of history with these watches. And, right. and Chase knows, because we've had these conversations before. Again, sometimes they're double stamped. Sometimes they're not double stamped at all. I mean, you could go there's into no Tiffany. There's no stamp at all, right? There's no stamp at all, yeah. except for, for that manufacturer. Right. So, like, if you wanted a really nice gold Movado back in 1940, mm-hmm. you would go to Tiffany to buy it. Right. But, but right? Here, and, here's and the really interesting Movado. part, though. A lot of times they were single stamped Tiffany only. Yes. From Patek. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Yes. So there were many companies yes. that would make watches, sell them to Tiffany, and they would be sold as Tiffany only. Only. Correct. The movement that stamp? is correct. Movement, yes. Okay. The so movement, you have so you have to open dial. Yeah. You might have Movado on the movement. Yeah, or Patek. Or, or Patek. And that's the interesting or thing. There were there were Pateks that were Tiffany only. That's correct. Huh. Mm-hmm. Pocket and wrist. And yes, pocket and wrist. That's right. And from that time, from 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 the actually up and before them as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Is there a train station? (laughs) (laughs) That was the HR four one five coming from San Bernardino. (laughs) So, guys, so holding pattern. 1983. I'm going to jump forward because I know we got to go. Just a few decades. A few decades. So we're going to go from the 50s to the 80s. So 1983, uh Tiffany goes back to doing their own watches. Right. After years of co-branding, non-co-branding, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, 1983, they come out with a collection called the Tiffany Atlas Collection. And the Atlas is based on a famous clock that flanks the building. Of Tiffany and Company. Atlas mm-hmm. Collection. Atlas Collection. Yeah, the clock. The clock is called Atlas. It's upheld by Atlas. It's upheld by Atlas. Calm down, Chase. Calm down. Oh, right. Chase is celebrating. He's seen that naked yeah. picture of Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like back to the to uh, Napa Valley again. Who do you I think is watching for us? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Chase Atlas. The, the funny thing, the funny thing about the Atlas clock for Tiffany and Company, it doesn't look like your stereotypical atlas sculpture that you would imagine and the reason being the sculptor for the clock was a local sculptor who was more known for sculpting ships mastheads right so when you see the boats with the the women or the men at the front of the boat you see that what mother collects You've so been to our <laughs> private port, Kenny Bug Port. So that would explain why the t- why Atlas's masthead is particularly, you know, exaggerated in this. <laughs> His head was particularly exaggerated, but I'm not going to say which head we're referring to. But uh, he looks very gaunt and, and thin compared to like a normal Atlas, right? But that's that's why I bring that up. Because it's not like it's not like the Greek dude, or Roman. I'm yeah, dude. Yeah. Yourself. It's not like the Greek or Roman, also, like I can't. you know. 
Leakawan group, you know, exaggerated muscularity. It's, yeah. I mean, it's like it's it looks like a fucking skinny dude that's high carrying a fucking clock. To be honest, with you. <laughs> that's what it looks like. But the clock becomes super famous because it, it, it's. To be honest, one just one second, Rico. I know you've done that, and I've done that. Of course. Carry the clock. <laughs> we, we did that last night in Napa. Chase, Chase forgot we did that last month in Napa. I slipped a couple edibles and I was dinner. Hello, Napa. <laughs> but I have evidence on my phone. Uh, so, so, oh my god, I can't get through this. <laughs> All right. Hello, grapes. Yeah. Hello. Hello. All right, so... Um, so the clock becomes synonymous with New York City, and a lot of people come to the front of the store to set their watch by this clock. Okay. Tiffany no longer has like the big blaze and Tiffany and Company on the windows right. because people know the they business know based on the clock. Right. They're right. looking for the so the clock's very famous. Yeah. So in 1983, when John Laurie, who's the in-house designer for Tiffany, and he has been for the last three decades, and the guy's a genius, uh, when he decided to come up with an iconic watch. He based it on the Atlas clock, which was outside the building. Uh-huh. So, that doesn't look like a three-watch case. <laughs> so, what I present to you is... is attache? So, oh. so, this is going to be presented in order of This is all Tiffany out. collection. Oh, right? my gosh. One, two, three, four, five, ten. Eleven on my wrist. So, so, I couldn't nail down to three. So, I'm going to do eleven from the past thirty years, and they're going to be in order. Okay. All right. All right. So, 1983, when Tiffany... Launches the Ellis, and I think we just discussed that. If you have no previous wait, Ellis or Atlas? Ellis. It was for Ellis Island. Wait, did did we say Atlas at all? We did say Atlas. What was Atlas? Where did that come into play? Chase is fucking giving Summer another goddamn Mercedes watch, (laughs) as if he's fucking special. Ellis or Atlas? Just so you know, Josh and I already have that watch. I know you (laughs) do. So does Belinda, but. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, no, that was the right sound. <laughs> now, did you get them all in the same year? <laughs> I did. I just got them just before I came down here. Did you really? No, Look no, at no. That. All right. So okay, let's is, talk about so it. So this is so the one on my wrist is the first one. So this is from the nineties. But this is okay. So it's a white it's, dial. It's uh, a white stainless dial. Stainless steel. Stainless steel. With a rally strap. With a well, rally straps from Amazon. That's right. right for six bucks, right? Yeah. Six nine nine. Yeah. Fucking eight. Uh, Were you there? there That's it is. exactly how much it costs. It's thirty six millimeter, right? Thirty six millimeter. Okay. Which is the standard size. All right. What's the second one you got? Right, so this is nineteen ninety three. This is the Tiffany Alice collection. This is their first okay. collection. Indicative of their own branding. A well, silver dial with store, a black head design. Okay. Yeah. And that's on a alligator uh, strap. Roman numeral. It has the Watchmakers 4, which is an interesting. 34? Thing. Uh, either 34 or 36 on that one, yeah. But the Watchmakers 4 in that watch is interesting. Original because, buckle. Uh, original buckle. Tiffany and Company, my favorite brand. But what's interesting to note on this is that it has the Watchmakers 4. And the actual Atlas clock is the Roman numerals for uh, actual four. So it's an IV. Oh, okay. And if this watch looks a little beat up to you and you know how well I take care of my watches, my wife did wear this for two years. Okay. This particular watch. That particular the second watch. watch she liked that watch. So I, I, I loaned it to her. I loaned it to her. She just fucking took it out of my fucking watch drawer. <laughs> I loaned it to my wife. No, fuck, she took it. She's Korean. She can do whatever she wants. That's funny. Um... 
Yeah. So when it, you it, say Shutoka, it's I make her do a, like a, a lease borrow form okay. uh, with a credit card uh, imprint. Right. So I, if it doesn't show up, I can the old her. one, right? Where you slide it. Absolutely. <laughs> Is there any other kind? <laughs> Carbon copy all the way. Baby. Yeah, that's right. Come yeah. On. All right, so that's 1983. Mm -hmm. 1986, Tiffany actually receives a patent on that design and goes after anyone that's trying to copy the whole Roman numeral thing. Roman numerals on the bezel? Yeah, you because mean... you have a lot of people kind of doing that whole motif coming after Tiffany. You know that Omega did it before 1983. They're always at the forefront, aren't they? Oh, no, I'm just saying it was on the Constellation... The Constellation Manhattans had had the oh, yeah, 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 had yeah, the yeah. Roman yeah, numerals yeah. on yeah. the bezel. That's true. That's true. Hands so it must be something more stylistically um, significant than just Roman numerals on bezel. You are correct. What's the third? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see. And that. moving on. <laughs> okay, what's the third one, Rico? Yeah, what's the third one? one? Oh, yeah, you're no, right. No, because you're wearing you're one. Right, you're right, third one. Right. I have one this is the third okay. one. So 1987. <laughs> <laughs> 1987. Chase is the only sober one that knows the <laughs> what's going yeah, on. It's here okay, right so now. it's a white dial. So, so this stainless is the steel. second collection that Tiffany introduced okay. in the last 30 years. This is called the Tesoro. It's something they introduced. Tesoro. At time and place. It's late 80s, right? Right. Steel and gold is the most popular combination on the market. So this is their version of. So it's something. It's a two tone, right? This is considered a two tone. Two tone. So with a dial. Uh, with the date. With the white dial. Golden mm -hmm. Moises. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying I would say this is a 34. I think it's uh, probably about a 34 as well. So second collection from Tiffany in the modern age, in the last 30 years. Ah. So next collection from them is called Intaglio. 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 And Intaglio is the one that you saw me with yesterday, which is actually Dude. my favorite watch. I love this watch. So it's also still in 18 karat gold, which is very popular, you know, late late 80s, early 90s. And that one has that unusual uh, bevel dial with the gunmetal gray. Yeah, it's got the coin edging, the coin which edge. I love. Yeah, that's just so beautiful. The one uh, that I thought looked like a Brigade Marine with the Brigade, It looks like a Brigade it Marine. Does, it does, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. It really does. Not, Such and not just piece. the case. It's also the dial treatment. Uh, a lot of that design language. You, it, absolutely right. And I think for what you're saying is probably why I'm more attracted to this watch than all my others. I, I really love, love the stamping on the clasp I do too. area. Yeah. That's a nice little detail. Yeah, double clasp on that one. Uh, and the, I like the applied uh, gold numerous because it is applied, one of yes. the problems I had with the CT60 was it being painted. Yeah. I would have preferred it to be applied, applied. as well. It yeah. gives you that extra depth, right? It, it really does. Now, so the dial is considered a gray dial it with is. a two-tone finish. Sure. <laughs> I love sure. That means you can have it. Yeah, sure. Um, that means okay. Okay. Well, and interesting enough, so this design goes back to the 1940s for some previous Tiffany designs. So when they did this, they went back to the archives. So this is not the first time they've done this. No, it, it actually was based on some 1940s archives that they had. had. Oh, look, we got a there second it is. round. There's second round. Yay. I say second round. It's like tenth round. Yeah. That one's you, buddy. Yeah, that's Thank you, man. Valley of the Fire for you. Negroni. Yes. So the next watch is actually one of my all-time favorite watches. So when we do... Wait, cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 Yes. Cheers. Love you guys. Sorry, I already drank Thanks. half mine. Sorry. Love you guys. All -time oh, me Fuck, too. are you kidding? This is so fucking hard. I'm like, <laughs> spilling shit everywhere. <laughs> so there's an old joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Because you know I'm part Irish. So in a bar, an Englishman, uh, mm -hmm. a Scotsman, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and an Irishman. They're sitting at the bar. Right. They all order the same thing. They order a Guinness. Okay. 
waitress comes. She gives all three of them a Guinness beer. Uh huh. The Englishman looks down. Uh huh. And he sees there's a fly floating on the top of his beer. So he pulls the fly out. He puts it on his napkin. He takes the napkin. He puts it over his beer. Mm -hmm. And he slides it back toward the bartender. And he says, Madam, may I have another? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, whatever. The Irishman gets his beer. He looks, and there's a dead fly floating on top as well. So he takes the fly. He picks it up. He puts it down on the napkin. And he drinks his beer. Right. That was the Scotsman, by the way. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Matthews. Shout out to the Scotsman. <laughs> the Irishman. The Irishman looks at his beer, and he sees there's a dead fly floating on top. So he lifts up the dead fly, and he says, Spit it out, motherfucker! <laughs> oh, man. And then he drinks his beer. Oh, man. Are we going to get through this shit today? <laughs> I oh, hope Jesus so. Christ. Okay, Fort the, the one, right? watch is truly one of my favorites. One? We are on. We are on fourth. Technically five. <laughs> okay, five. We told you. Fourth, technically, this is gonna be first. First. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we're technically on five. Okay, fifth. And this is truly one of my favorite watches. And this was also a gift from. Josh, remember from this is three watch somewhere. show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, it's a three watch show. Okay. This watch means a lot to me, and it's a very small watch. Uh-huh. But the reason it means a lot to me, uh-huh. it's my very first all 18 karat gold watch from Tiffany and Company, uh-huh. and therefore it means uh-huh. a lot to me. And in addition to that, what year was this? Eighteen uh, twenty. This one was introduced in nineteen ninety four. Okay. It's part of the, what's known as the Tiffany Classics collection that was introduced okay. that year. It's a dual time watch. Oh, that one. With calm yeah. down, Chase. Calm yeah. down, Chase. He's like, I know. All right, calm down. Is. Calm down. Uh, so it's a dual time it, with Roman relative. and Arabic numerals. Uh-huh. Oh, because yeah, one time zone dude, is in dude. Roman. Yes. The other time zone is Arabic. Yes. That's and because well most of my family has relocated back east or came from back east, and I'm from the west coast. I love this watch because I, I keep it on a three-hour time difference, so I always know what East Coast time is. I mean, I already fucking know what East Coast time is, but the watch is symbolic to me because That's of cool. that. That's dope. What's really cool about this watch is that the crowns are hidden. Yes. Wait, you see that, right? Yeah, it is. Right, yeah. Yeah. right, 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 right there. The, the crowns are hidden underneath. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah. A, a door, uh, it's like a door just on like, a hinge just like that me. you open. <laughs> Bless you, Brother Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Josh rolled it on the uh, floor. Is he throwing up in the bushes? <laughs> oh my god! Do we need to call a medic? What is he doing? Oh. <laughs> People don't know I have a hollow leg. I, I apologize. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> You're I'm worried about you. I had a sneeze. Man. Oh, I, I, oh, I try to run geez. away to protect feel, you guys. From I feel the, bad from, from that palm tree you just shit it on. It's <laughs> 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 fertilizer. Uh, it was a sneeze. Oh Thank you. Oh, Chase, I would rock this. You know I'm not a gold person, but I can appreciate this. This is the yeah. first watch, the first gold watch I've ever heard you say that you would wear. I, w- I would ever. rock this. Yeah. I would rock ever, this. Ever, ever. Well, and the funny thing, too, is so when that came out, it was actually on a black strap. And you know me, I love brown. So yeah, I I like use black. a lot. No, I love brown. I love brown shoes. People make fun of me because, you know, I was the first one like, <laughs> black black suits with brown shoes and brown belts. And people were like, that's not considered, you know, appropriate. Well, you I'm like, yellow. fuck you. That's not Hot. Only when you're on my back. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Got to be quick around here. Dude, this is so good. You gotta Dude, I love kidding. that. I love that fucking watch. It's just kidding. timeless. It's classic. And even though it's from the 90s, it, it just, to me, it feels like a true 1930s. I think we have the same wrist There's size. There's a very... Are you seven? My wrists are small. Are you seven, seven and a half, six? I'm a seven and a half. 
Wait, size. that's not small. That's not. That's that, not small. That that's big. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. My wrists are baby wrists. Are you sure you're seven and a half? Yeah. No, it's the same size I, as me. I buy seven and a half. They price. are. You're deep. Oh, <laughs> you already know that, baby. <laughs> That's the uh, second time we started that tonight. Rico, come look on. how good that looks on you, bro. Your, your wrists are actually really big. Come on. Yeah, thank you, dude. Come on, look. I have a lot of girth, Chase. Thank you. <laughs> you were a late bloomer. <laughs> so that particular one, you know, I love 1920s. I love 1930s. I love 1940s. This is a when cardigan watch. That, this is a cardigan watch. It looks right on your cardigan. But when I see that, I think of a true Art Deco piece. I mean, it just has good oh, lines. Sure. You know. That's one of my all-time favorite watches. Slim case. And again, I, I you know, I'll, I'll talk smack all day long and I talk shit. But when it push comes to shove and you say, what's your three favorite watches? This would be I one of those, I have a hard time right? coming up with my three. That's always gotta one be of my one top favorites. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be one. Yeah, this sure. would be the watch. This would be perfect when you're walking in Wilshire Boulevard all the time. Mm-hmm. That was it. This is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I think of Wilshire Boulevard, of course I think of that watch. What <laughs> 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 the fuck? <laughs> I think of Rodeo or Beverly. I think of that watch. I don't think uh, of Wilshire. This is awesome. Well, I'm talking about the design. It's like yeah, classic. Classic. It is. So what's the next piece. one, dude? So, so I jumped from that. That came out in '94. The next one in my collection came out in 2002, and that is uh, a new generation of Tiffany watches, which is known as the Tiffany Mark Collection. Mm-hmm. And that was introduced um, uh, 2002, and they were made. In the same workshop, this is where Chase's head is going to explode. Uh-huh. They were made in the same workshop in Geneva that Tiffany sold to Patek. <laughs> no freaking way. And they, I, I'm curious to see w- if this is the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Boom. Uh-huh. Boom. So Chase's mind exploded. And again, what? that was on a black strap. And, you know, I love that brown, so I did the brown. I were these it. designed by Daniel Roth? Dude, they look just like a fucking Daniel Roth. That's because, what I was just gonna say. Because of that torneau shape and the way it is, they look to me identical. They really to Daniel. do. So they, who, no, I agree. So who 100%. copied who, though? I, I don't know because they really are concurrent in time. And I, I can tell you, I always erroneously, I just think of this as the Tiffany Daniel Roth. That's you I, are not. That's what I call you. It you myself. and I are on the same page. Yeah. You're not far from the mark. And when that came out, that's all I could think of at the same time. And and the funny thing is. That watch grew on me again because I haven't worn it for a long time. I put the brown, um, what is that, uh, crocodile on there. I and really like All of a sudden, I fell in love with it all, all over again because I'm not a big stainless fan. After I had that gold one right there, it was hard to get back in the stainless, right? Because I, I, I did not take that off my wrist for years. That was my favorite. What this year was one, this? This one came out uh, 2002. So here's what's actually really funny. And, 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 and oh, so hold your thought. What do you thought? Because it's 2002, the yes. time when the big watch revolution is coming out, and everyone's doing bigger watches. So compare that to this one. This is because we're large. going yeah, much larger this than this large. old one, right? We're going from this to this at Tiffany, and and this think is, about it. They're, what's they're the trying, year difference? Tiffany tries to be the trendsetter. They don't follow the trends, but look at the size difference in these watches. Because clearly, they're seeing what the watch market is doing. So. And it's going to the bigger trend. Here's the funny thing. What this watch actually is, even though we're saying it's Daniel Roth, and it is. It is, It's for sure. also the Lange Arcade. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It's right. oh, also summer. that one. Summer. Calm down, man. Are, are you okay? Are you, how are you able to fit all this in your hard drive, dude? 
the, uh, the there's wife smoke I... coming out of the man's ear. <laughs> Will you leave him alone, please? This is I gotta have him for the rest of the night. Shit, what are you doing? <laughs> so this is also a step dial. So uh -huh. as, the, although, as, aesthetic, aesthetically though, this is much more Roth. Even though it's the shape. Oh my God! Oh, do you hear that? That's an AR25. That just left uh, Concordia. <laughs> Hi, Eric. <laughs> this does Can not. I just tell you, Ethokin on that fucking thing. Ethokin. Ethokin. What the fuck did I just say? Eric? You said Ethokin. Thomas. It's the same goddamn thing. <laughs> potato, potato. Potato, potato. My boy, Eric. Can I just tell you, every time he fucking said that during the I was dying. Really? On, I was fucking dying. That's right, you were, uh, you were an airline kid. I was an airline kid. Yeah, yeah. So every time he said that, I was fucking on the floor. Like, he's making this shit Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. But it was great. It was you know, fucking great. He may have. He may not have. He may have. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, we need to cut Josh off. Don't let him know. <laughs> <laughs> this to me is really Tiffany at its finest. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's it's a new hallmark in what Tiffany's doing, and I don't think people appreciated it at the time. And honestly, I don't know if I appreciated it at the time. But when I look back through the archives and and, and the watch design, I'm like, fuck, they were doing something really well, whether people recognized it or not. Honestly, as much as I love the other two pieces, this is a higher level of execution. Absolutely. It just it that, wholeheartedly. This is. Objective, I actually I love the dual time, I really do. Yeah. But the mark is where I think they realize that they need to um, they need to have a little bit of substance in terms of their the the level of execution in their watchmaking. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean it's just it's a phenomenal piece. What a solid collection, bro. Thank you, bro. Because we're about to go on to my next watch, which is one of my all time favorites. And again, I can't say it's one of my top three favorites, but it's just one of my all-time favorites. And it's a watch that nobody likes but myself. Um, you make the rules. I'm, hey, yeah, that's, that's right. right. We make the that's rules. Right. Your episode, your rules. So this one came out in 2004. And this is also an Atlas. And it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm smirking because we were talking about ETA earlier. It says certified chronometer, so I don't know if it's a fucking Etta. Right. Somebody made it for them, but right. obviously somebody made it for them. Yeah. What's so unique about this watch to me is, you know, my stepdad is a hunter, and I, it's, it, you know, people laugh because I, I try to follow a vegan diet, but I go out with my stepdad hunting. He shoots his gun. I shoot my camera. You know, <laughs> I, I won't kill fucking anything, right, but right. I, I understand, you know, he's a southerner, right. and, I, and I, I get the mentality of it, mm -hmm. um, being born and raised. What's so unique to me about this watch, this watch hasn't been around in like a hundred years. It's called a Demi Hunter. A Demi Hunter? A Demi Hunter. It would be a, called a Full Hunter. I'm sorry, what, what year yes. is this? Okay. Uh, 2004. Okay. If it was a Full Hunter, uh -huh. this open part would be enclosed. Yes. Right, for protection, reason, right? Well, because when, you, when you're shooting your rifle and you've got your shotgun shells coming out, mm -hmm. it's going to hit your watch possibly. Okay. So what you're doing is you're protecting your watch. Yeah. Oh. Right? Yes. So this is a demi hunter, yeah, meaning it's only half open on top, right? Not fully closed, right? right? Now, for a watch of this caliber and this design, I picture a Purdy rifle, a Purdy shotgun, which is owned now by Richemont as well. Right. They're some of the best fucking shotguns P on the market. Wait, Parazzi? Purdy. Oh. 
There's also or Parazzi or Fabri. I think he's saying uh, it wrong. Uh-oh. Or Holland in Holland or uh-oh. any of the above. I mean, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, there's more than one goddamn fucking gun manufacturer. Maybe I throw my fucking Winchester <laughs> gun. Fuck you. <laughs> the point is, motherfucker. <laughs> we really shouldn't try to get this. No. We, we so Demi and Jimmy half open because okay. it's not the Hoyer. Right. Uh, <laughs> but what's really unique about this watch, we've talked about the Atlas clock in right. New York. Right. This right. is the first time they put the fucking Atlas clock oh, on shoot, the back. Oh, shoot, it's right in the back. So oh, you can see so what the cool. references to. It's right so in the back. So this, this again, uh, of my top ten watches that are my top three. This <laughs> it was, would, would this fall under the top three, though, you think? Yeah, uh, you know, it's, oh, it's true. So it's truly cool. one of my favorites. And Honestly, the funny thing, talking Tiffany watches today. Right. I don't put many of them on Instagram. So They're not Instagramable. I've never. S- right here. I don't. Why would you say it's not? Well, well because when I put a Tiffany watch, yeah. I might get five likes on it. Who gives a shit? I put a fucking Rolex against you know, so right. likes like three hundred. There's not a lot of Tiffany fans. I don't think today's generation understands the whole history of Tiffany and watchmaking. You know, honestly, for my like my daughter's age, and I say, hey, what do you think of when you think of Tiffany? She's like, oh, I think of silver jewelry. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus, Jesus yeah. fuck. Sterling like my generation, right. my generation thinks of like Sterling, Sterling, Sterling Silver. Silver. Yeah. Big Which is a problem. Mistake. That's a problem. Big mistake. Big mistake. Yeah. Uh, no. Big mistake. Not to toot my own horn. I've had a conversation with the former CEO of Tiffany. You did? I did. Uh-huh. He's a super wonderful guy. His uh-huh. name is Mike Kalowski. Uh-huh. Fucking brilliant man. A, an amazing man. He understood the problem of silver and okay. was afraid that people would identify the company with silver jewelry and try to work against it. But at the same time, you're walking a fine line because at the end of the day, Tiffany Company is a publicly traded company and answers to shareholders. Mm-hmm. you got to be fucking pulling a profit. And where's right. the profit coming from? It's coming from your sterling silver jewelry. Right. So, right. When, so when, I was, fine line. when I was doing consulting, there was something I called um, tenure bias, meaning that your bias in the, your decisions tenure was based... Old people? Was, <laughs> was based. You've been there for a long time. No, was based on you don't care about the ramifications of your decisions if they occur outside of your tenure. All that matters is what occurs within your tenure. Oh. And so, speaking exactly to this point, that's how we ended up with sterling silver jewelry from a company that was making sterling silver housewares very much like Georg Janssen yeah yeah and they yeah they transitioned into realizing we could use this relatively inexpensive material to make jewelry yeah big mistake it devalued it the problem is it's not the the question is not in the material but in the execution and when you start making non-serialized pieces they become you know in quotes generic and for real, for real. that is very much against the ethos of what the company should be. So, absolutely, I completely agree with you. And the funny thing is, I used, I've used Tiffany silver jewelry in consultation uh, presentations for clients, exactly to the point that you're making. And it's very smart to do so. So, you know, the funny thing is, you guys are kind of young. I don't know if you remember. Speak for uh, yourself. Because, uh, because, <laughs> yeah, because, you because you know, my daughter was, she's she's 22 now, going on 23. And so I'm thinking, like, you know, think about 22 years ago. I don't know if you guys remember Old Navy ads. And they had this 
the old navy ads fuck the fisher family that owns them i fucking hate them but anyway the old navy ads sorry <laughs> politics aside i apologize i apologize for letting my political views this episode get into this episode by the, fisher family. <laughs> <laughs> the views expressed here do not do, do not mirror those of the out of time podcast <laughs> Fuck the Fisher family. (laughs) We're both from San Francisco. Fuck you. So, but the funny thing is, my daughter's like 22 going on 23 this year. When she was born, Old Navy was very hilarious with their advertisements for their brand. And they had a woman named Carrie Donovan. I don't know if you guys remember her. She was like a heavy set blonde woman with these big, crazy, exaggerated black glasses okay. and, and she was like talking about like yeah. she was she was a fashion editor like oh my god these deals at old navy i mean she was a, a powerhouse in the ads she was she was kind of a caricature but the truth is she was actually a real person and she was a powerhouse in fashion in the early 70s and in the early 70s um is when you had elsa peretti making silver yes. jewelry for yes. halston and those halston designs elsa realized shit there's a bigger market for this and, and Carrie Donovan is the one that took her to Tiffany & Company, set up an, an appointment and said, this is my friend Elsa, she's making this shit, you guys should carry silver. And Tiffany's like, we don't sell silver jewelry. Yeah. Like, it's not something we do. And Carrie Donovan worked really hard to convince Tiffany, this is going forward, and like, everyone can't afford your diamond, ye- yellow yeah. diamond, crock on a rock, bird on a rock, frock on a rock, cock on a rock. <laughs> so, so I think she oh sold the God. point, and they're like, oh, okay. So they started carrying Elsa Peretti right. cheap silver shit, and that really, boom, bread and butter. And they and, and that's kind of what started. So 1974, in terms of jewelry, is the, when you see the turning point for Tiffany & Company. The sad thing is, actually, I think Elsa Peretti had very much this naturalistic, postmodern design that would have been well-served to be well executed and unfortunately the most of the Peretti pieces are really relegated to the mass production silver line absolutely absolutely and and the thing is if you look at actually if you look at the the more some some of the modern Tiffany pieces um, like the uh, I think they call it the baiser basically bezel set pieces like bezel set cushion diamonds very much to me that resonates Elsa Peretti's design language that she brought to Tiffany. That's not traditional Tiffany. Love this kid, he's so right. Can you pause that? You want me to pause That's it? Yeah. Right. I gotta pee like a motherfucker. I gotta pee like a motherfucker. Our goal is to always try and document people's lives. During this episode with Rico, there was not enough time to cover the portion of his collection that he brought to share. As in life, there's never enough time with Rico. Bola. Additional content can be found on Instagram at the Out of Time Podcast.
you can also email us at theoutoftimepodcast at gmail.